Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. All right, folks, here's how markets are looking like as we take a step into the day. We've got the Nasdaq Composite down for a second straight session to start the year, building on its worst daily performance in nearly three months. The tech heavy index lost. 1.2% 1.2% to close at 14,592, marking its fourth straight losing day. And it is coming off its worst day since October. A couple of tech companies dragged down the NASDAQ, including the 4% decline in Apple after Barclays downgraded the iPhone maker. That had an impact on other tech stocks as well, such as Nvidia, Tesla, and Meta. And the broader index, the SP 500, was down 0.8%. 8% to 4,705. And we've got a Dow Jones Industrial Average giving back yesterday's gains down 0.8% to slight 285 points down to 37,430. And to get more insights, we are joined by Cole Smead. He is the CEO and Portfolio Manager at Smead Capital Management. Cole, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, great to have you on. So we are watching what's playing out in the um, year so far. And it's worth noting, there's been a bit of a movement in the US 10-year treasury yields as well. They briefly rose above the key 4% mark. It was last trading around 3.91%. So going into the year so far, it does look like the momentum from last year is starting to wane a bit. Yeah, in many respects, where we ended the year in US equities last year, Uh, is more precarious than where we ended the year in 2021. And let me just, as an example, in 21, we had IPOs going off. We had SPACs going public. Um, There were all kinds of deals and money raising going on. So in some cases, that seemed like it was crazier of a time in the U.S. capital markets. But we're in a situation today where, as noted by what happened in 2023, there are very few things that have to go wrong for U.S. equities to do poorly. And when I say U.S. equities, I mean the composition of the S&P 500. You know, again, if, if how many things have to go wrong in this go-round for stocks to do poorly? It's seven. Seven things have to be hurt out of 500 stocks for this to be a bad year in U.S. equities. And even though it doesn't look as dangerous as it did in 21, in many respects, it's far more dangerous than then because of the Magnificent Seven and their wide ownership in the U.S. stock market capitalization. Yeah, that heavy weightage to us, the Magnificent Seven. So all the tech companies just running on a bit of the AI buzz. So I guess this brings the question, where does it go from here? How much more momentum on that side of things do you expect? How much more upside? Yeah, this is our opinion. This is not a consensus opinion, but but we think it's dead on arrival. Um, You know, things always die on euphoria. Um, They never die on people not being excited about the future. And that's what we have yet again, to your point, on this hype of AI. Now, uh, let's go back to the late 90s as an example. Was the Internet going to change our lives? Mm. Yes, we all can attest to the fact that that happened. And yet you could see stocks that from then to now have never made new highs. You know, in my mind, the likes of, like, say, Cisco and Oracle come to mind. Where, or in Microsoft's case, it took more than a decade for that to come true. And I think that's really what we're seeing in this hype is it's not going to marginally change things overnight. It might change how we conduct business over 20 years. But again, the technology is just a, an extension of the human and the time it takes for the real economy to digest those kind of things like it has with the Internet can take 20 years. So 
Um, you know, we're fully expecting that the S&P 500 probably does not make any money, including dividends reinvested over the next decade, because even if the other 493 stocks do okay or well, the seven can be a big hangover to the future results of U.S. stocks. And I think especially for international investors coming to our borders, like from Singapore or from Southeast Asia, the unwillingness to go to other markets uh, or, or go to outside those names or outside the passive index um, is really dangerous right now. Yeah, talking about what's happening in the real economy, Cole, there is, I suppose, a brightening outlook for the economy going forward, for the U.S. economy at least. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of it going by the indicators you're watching? Yeah, so I, a couple of things I would point to your listeners. Um, you know, if you go look at low-income wages, the lowest uh, income quartile of wages that, that the Federal, Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta uh, publishes on, um, the lowest-end wages in America have been doing the best of anyone the last two to three years in terms of their growth. Um, all wages, regardless of income quartile, are outpunching inflation. So what we don't hear people often talking about is how good the economy is when labor is doing wonderfully in real terms. So that's the first thing I would say. Go look at other things like the household service ratio. American households are unlevered relative to history. When you add things like that up in the economy, what it argues is the economy is strong. The economy will continue to be strong. The problem is that's not good for assets. Look at what he had in the bond market last year as an example. The bond market got hurt because the economy has been so strong and the Federal Reserve had to be more aggressive. I think the most insane idea is that the economy is going to tumble all apart and the Fed's going to lower rates to, say, 2% and all assets will benefit. I think that's what the fools have thought the last two years. And I think the greater danger is that the economy stays stronger and things even outside the United States improve more than we expect. And we wake up in a world where global yields are not going back to what we saw during the 2010s. Um, and therefore, a lot of investors have overpaid for assets. Yeah, typically the expectations are that lower interest rates will provide tailwinds for equities. So where should investors be looking else instead? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, let's just go back to two other eras where stocks did poorly, uh, it, you know, using the S&P 500 again as the benchmark for that. The 1970s were a terrible time for U.S. equities, um, and the 2000s were. In the case of the 1970s, the S&P made almost 6%, but it lost in real terms of the decade. Um, in the 2000s, the S&P lost almost 1%, but it still made negative real returns. And so when we look back at those prior eras, um, you, you started those eras with very strong, exciting markets, and they ended with absolute tumult for investors by the end of those decades. And we think that's very analogous to today. Also, what you had uh, going on was certain parts of the market you know, did terribly, like tech uh, in the 2000s. But the interesting part to those other two eras is energy did wonderfully. It had a great run in the 1970s. It did wonderfully in the 2000s. And so we find it very interesting that from a historical context, energy has actually been a great performer looking back the last two to three years while it hasn't actually been all that good for U.S. stocks in general. So we think that rhyme is sitting out there for people to look at. We own names like Oxino Petroleum. We own other names like Apache. We own some of the Canadian names like Zenovus and Meg Energy. But all the geopolitical tensions we're walking, walking into day-to-day or week-to-week, whether we're talking about Houthi rebels in the Red Sea, those assets also are a de facto hedge to those kind of events. 
and we, you pay nothing for them. So we find the energy space very interesting, and it's a space in the market that's very small, 4% of the S&P 500. And most people, whether because what they think we're going to in the economy of the future with you know what we're going to do in energy or how poorly those spaces have done in the prior decade, are unwilling to look at that. We absolutely love that, and we think for the, the interested investor and the astute investor, it's an excellent place to go out and do some research and do your nibbling. And Cole, you've got your eye on banks as well. And this is, of course, with the environment of rates going down. Yeah, so the banks are a very interesting story because obviously we had the tumult uh, again in the spring of this last year uh, with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank disappearing fairly quickly. And we're going to see probably 30% less banks in America as we go a decade forward. And what that's going to do is that's going to increasingly cause higher returns on capital to accrue to the banks. Um, Look at the spreads that banks can demand on capital. Even though loan volumes haven't been big, the spreads are very large relative to history. So we're back to where banking is getting pretty profitable when a loan comes about. We think that's a great environment because, again, that has more to do with the economy. It doesn't have as much to do with capital markets. In fact, if it's tough to raise money on Wall Street, that's where banks are usually the lender. So we think those things playing into each other are very attractive. And the fact that you could buy a lot of banks, whether it be in the United States or in some cases Europe, uh, below book value, producing you know greater than 10% return on equity, um, that's, those are good odds of success in a very unknown future. All right. Banking on banks and also keeping an eye on energy. We've been chairing Cole Smead. He is the CEO and portfolio manager at Smead Capital Management. Cole, it's been great having you on the show and you know, having your insights as well. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great morning. All right, stay Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.